Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We are going to do something new on today's show. Now, hopefully all of you podcast listeners are tuning in to our college tennis broadcast every weekend on our various Crack Rackets channels. We are so fortunate to be able to bring all of the SEC action that's happening across the college tennis world every Friday to all of you tennis fans. You can find the link to that broadcast on each of the SEC team websites. Of course, every Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, we're able to bring you all of the Big Ten action happening across the country. And those cross-court casts, so exciting for us to get to introduce this season. We're able to broadcast six, seven, upwards of 10, 11, 12 matches throughout the course of any given day. And as you can imagine, when you have that many matches, you are treated to such spectacular action. Obviously, we have been longtime college tennis advocates here at Crack Rackets, but to be able to provide it a platform to broadcast all the spectacular action that's happening. We are extremely proud of the work we have been doing. I can tell you all firsthand how much effort super producer Daniel Westoff puts into everything to make it a seamless product for all of you that do tune in. You really, if you're not, give it a chance. I promise if you're going to watch college tennis, this is the best way to do it on our cross-court cast. We capture all the big points, the deuce points, the break points, set points, clinching match points. Of course, we also have the opportunity to hop around and see some of the best teams in the country, some of the teams on that NCAA tournament cutoff line monitor, all the storylines you'd like to have monitored throughout the course of the day. And we get to jump around. It's not just one match. It's two, three, four, five matches happening at any given time. We try to broadcast it all. So if you're not already, tune in to our Cracked Rackets cross-court cast again for the SEC. That's every Friday. For the Big Ten, that's every Sunday on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Why do I bring that up? Because on today's show, to help give all of you listeners a little bit more information about what you'll be watching every week, and I want to talk about all of the action that's happened in the Big Ten this season, offer a state of the union on the Big Ten conference in both the men's and women's play, and I want to do this every week throughout the rest of the season. Again, talk about the week ahead, preview the matches you're all going to be watching each and every Sunday, talk about the storylines you should have in the back of your head as you are watching all of that action unfold. Of course, here at Crack Rackets, we also pride ourselves on being able to tell all of you everything that is happening in the college tennis world. Certainly, we hope by listening to these podcasts, you will feel more informed. And a huge thank you to our friends at UTR, to Chris Halliores, College Tennis Ranks, some of the best resources in the business to find the analytics, the advanced stats, to help break down everything happening in the college tennis world. Of course, on this podcast, I also have to give a huge shout 
shout out to a couple of people. Obviously, our friends at Turna, longtime supporters here of the Great Shot Podcast. We are so grateful to them for their continued support. And look, Everyone knows what a Turner grip is, that bluish, purplish hue that you see on the grips of so many rackets, pro players, college players, junior players, local players in your area. Everyone's using Turner grip. It's the best in the business. You're not going to find anything tackier. Of course, perhaps you didn't know, Turner also offers some exceptional other products beyond just their grips. They've got strings, so much more. You can learn about it all by emailing them and contacting sales at uniquesports.com. Of course, if you mentioned Cracked Racket sent you, they'll hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with free samples, treat you like family. You can find Turner anywhere, but you want to invest. It's worthwhile, folks. So email them at sales at uniquesports.com. Let them know that we here at Crack Racket sent you. Of course, I also have to give a huge thank you to our friends at Play Your Court for their support in trying to get our Crack Rackets podcast broadcast out to the broader tennis universe. And look, we know all of you podcast listeners also probably like to play tennis as well. That's why we've partnered with Play Your Court to help you connect with evenly matched practice partners and coaches on your local courts. If you live in the United States, Player Court has over 2,000 top-rated coaches that will come to your local courts to give you lessons. That's right, folks. On-demand coaching at your fingertips. Their community membership helps you meet new players as well and comes with some other amazing benefits like video instruction and members-only discounts on all the tennis gear you already buy. Cost less than $5 a month. And if you play tennis, it's really a no-brainer to sign up. $5 a month, folks. That's two less candy bars, three less candy bars at the gas station each month you have access to over 2,000 top rated coaches and players in your area and if you're the competitive type registration is currently open for play your court spring flex league the bracket challenge whatever your tennis playing needs are folks play your court has you covered and because you're part of the cracked rackets family you can access all the play your court services at a massive discount through the link you can find in the description to this podcast again so excited to be partnered with with our friends at Player Court moving forward. You really should be using their resources. Again, you can learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. Happy hitting from our friends at Player Court. You can learn more about them. Again, click on that link in the description to this show. With that said, let's talk about all the action happening in the Big Ten. And I want to spread things out on this show, try to keep things organized. So what we're going to do, we're going to go by tier. We're going to talk about the teams that have very likely solidified themselves, certainly spots in the NCAA tournament, but the teams in the Big Ten who are competing for top eight seeds, top 16 seeds, again, who have guaranteed themselves places in postseason play. I'll start out by breaking down those teams on the men's and women's side. Then I want to get into the fascinating discussion about the teams in the hunt for the NCAA tournament. I think in particular, the Big Ten Women's Conference is as deep as it has ever been. And right now, there may only be three teams under the NCAA cutoff line. I think there's a group of four, five teams who very likely are going to compete against one another. I mean, not very likely. They are competing against one another over the next couple of weeks pecking order sort of matches in Big Ten play that are going to be fascinating for all of us to monitor on both the men's and women's side. I want to get into that category. I want to talk about some of the teams who perhaps may not be in NCAA contention this season, but still have plenty to look forward to here in 2022. I'll talk about the week matches, uh, the matches we're going to see on Sunday on our broadcast at the end as well. With all of that said, let's get into it. Talk about the Big Ten college tennis world. Let's start with the NCAA women's locks. And it's interesting because only three teams right now in the Big Ten women's conference. And for those of you who perhaps are unaware and didn't know this this past offseason, so unfortunately, Minnesota, Iowa making the decision to uh, cancel their men's tennis programs. Now, of course, there are currently no Rutgers men's tennis program, no, um, uh, no, I'm blanking, Maryland there it is, men's tennis program either. So there are more Big Ten's women's teams than there are men's teams right now. But you look right now at the Big Ten projected rankings, and these rankings come via our friends at College Tennis Ranks. A huge thank you to Chris Hallioris for all that he does. It's a public website, folks. You can look this up yourselves. 
as of right now, only three women's teams find themselves within the NCAA cutoff line. Now, each of those teams, I would say, at this point, are locks to make the NCAA tournament. Certainly at the top, Ohio State, 10 and 4 overall, currently number four in the ITA rankings. But after, you know, again, some of the results we've seen this weekend, Texas A&M beating Georgia, Georgia beat Ohio State last week, and certainly Pepperdine's continued success. They'll continue to ascend up the rankings. North Carolina continues to earn ranked wins. Oklahoma gets a big win over Texas. The point being, Ohio State projected to drop to number eight in the newest iteration of the ITA rankings, which will come out on Wednesday. That said, I mean, the Buckeyes are certainly a lock for the NCAA tournament, 10-4 and four overall on the season, and you look at the wins they've already accumulated. They've beaten Oklahoma State, who, if you look at the most recent ITA rankings, Oklahoma State up to as high right now as number 11 in the ITA rankings. You look in the projected rankings, Oklahoma State going to be number 11 this week once again. You have a win over a number 11, Oklahoma State team. You have a win over a number 29 projected Tennessee team, of course, most impressively for Ohio State. At home, they knock off now projected number five ranked Pepperdine. Those wins alone, as long as you're above 500, which the Buckeyes will be, pretty much guarantee you entry into the NCAA tournament. Of course, again, those wins over Oklahoma State, Tennessee early in the season. They beat Florida, Auburn. Auburn's a top 10 team right now. Florida, top 16 team. Those non-conference wins alone will guarantee you a spot in the NCAA tournament and very likely guarantee them on the strength of those five wins even before any conference play to be a top 16 seed in the NCAA tournament, assuming things don't go horribly awry for the Buckeyes in conference play. And you look for them, they've already kicked things off. Victories over Penn State, 7-0, a win, 6-1 over Iowa, 4-3 at Nebraska, but that was a 4-1 victory at the time of clinch, and they were without uh, their number six singles player throughout the duration of that match. This weekend, they were supposed to play Arizona State on Sunday. That match got canceled. Unclear to me why it did, but Buckeyes have the big one coming up on Friday as they're going to host Michigan in uh, in Columbus. And, you know, certainly I believe this is, yeah, the, the only time these two teams are going to play here this year. I know moving forward, they're considering doing a home-and-home home on the schedule so that each team gets a look at one another moving forward in both environments. But, I mean, you look right now, there are two undefeated teams in Big Ten play. Ohio State's one of them. Michigan is the other. And again, as we look at the teams that are locks right now for the NCAA tournament, it starts with Ohio State and Michigan. And both teams right now, 10-4, and four, and both teams right now undefeated in conference play. You look for Ohio State. A, the four losses for the Buckeyes, it's always worth contextualizing them. They lose a match 4-3 uh, at NC State. NC State's lost one match this season. It's to number one NC State, uh, number one North Carolina in the National Indoor Center. Finals. A 4 3 loss at Rally, by no means a bad loss. 4 3 loss at Duke, that prior to this weekend had only lost to number three, Oklahoma. Now they just lost to Florida State and Miami. Two, uh, Miami's a top 10 team right now. No shame in that loss, especially on the road. Certainly that Florida State loss, Duke would like back, but. 4-3 in Durham early in the season. I don't think that's a bad loss. Ohio State loses 4-1 to the eventual national indoor champs, North Carolina. At the national indoors, they lose 7-0, which is a bold scoreline. The match was closer than that score reveals, though. At Georgia, again, a top 10 team on the road. Again, let's contextualize the, lo- the losses. Number two, North Carolina State on the road at NC State. You lose to North Carolina. They go on to win the national indoors, the same event they beat you at. On the road at Georgia, top 10 team. None of those losses are bad losses. And then the wins over Oklahoma State, over, again, uh, Tennessee, over Florida, over Auburn. Ohio State clearly has the most impressive resume right now. That's why they're the highest ranked team. But Michigan's certainly a lock to make the NCAA tournament. And right now they're number 26, but they're projected to jump up to number 19 in the newest uh, ITA rankings that, again, are set to come out on Friday and uh, on Wednesday. And you look for the Wolverines. It was a good weekend for them. 5-2 win at Minnesota, 4-3 win at Wisconsin. Two teams 
who are right near that NCAA cutoff line. And if things break their way, will very much be in the hunt to reach the NCAA tournament here this season. I mean, to go on the road, get those victories. The key for the Wolverines, it's a young team. And, you know, for them, their their big ranking win, and unfortunately, they don't quite have the resume that Ohio State does, but they got a 5-2 win over Cal in Ann Arbor. That's a massive victory. The Cal team that is going to be top 20 all year long and, you know, has a win over Pepperdine as well. That'll keep them high in the rankings now certainly Michigan had some other opportunities to pick up ranked wins they didn't 4-3 loss at home against Pepperdine if you swing that match you're sitting pretty right up there with Ohio State you know they lose 4-3 at UCF now that loss shouldn't hurt them but the win would have certainly helped them 4-1 loss at Mississippi early in the season. Again, this is a young Michigan team, so that's not a terrible loss, but that's a match you would certainly like back. And then 5-2 against North Carolina. No shame in that, but the win's not quite as strong for Michigan. Now, they're, you know, the win's over Cal, a win over Georgia Tech, the win now over Wisconsin on the road, the good win over Minnesota. Columbia is a higher-ranked team, but they'll drop a little bit. They're going to get into the NCAA tournament unless there's a disaster at some point the rest of the way here in Big Ten Conference play play. Now it is tough. Their next three matches are on the road at Ohio State, at Penn State, at Michigan State. They're also going to, the good news is they get Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, all teams very much in the NCAA tournament hunt at home. They're at Iowa, but you know, again, given some of the health issues for the Hawkeyes, given, you know, again, the strength for the Wolverines one through six, you feel like that's very winnable matches. Can Michigan be a top 16 team? If they beat Ohio State, especially this for you know if they beat Ohio State twice in in conference play and in the conference tournament absolutely they will be a top 16 seed they need to beat Ohio State at least once to be in the hunt because on its own again the Cal win is very good and certainly the Georgia Tech win has appreciated in value over time they'll have a solid Big Ten resume but with wins over Northwestern and Wisconsin if they run the table but if they want to solidify themselves a top 16 seed particularly given the depth in NCAA play right now they need to beat the Buckeyes at least once meanwhile Ohio State with their bank of wins again from a rankings perspective they'll be fine you know in terms of the Buckeyes 20 and 18 overall in doubles uh, in terms of individual sets that's been a surprise particularly given the experience they returned Coley Allen and Isabel Boulay to bring back a team that were all Americans last season at the number one double spot you're playing them at two that they're under 500 in dual match play three and five overall and you know seven and seven overall on the year especially for them to be at uh, three and five in dual match play seven and seven overall on the year you just expected them to be able to perform better than that certainly Irina Kanto Sydney Ratliff their fall success has trans translated here to the spring they were seven eight and three in tournament play they're seven and three overall this year five and three at the number one double spot you know after last year where Marzal and Dorme were so solid at number three doubles they're only four and four overall in dual match play again given how good this Ohio State team was albeit in a primarily Big Ten only schedule last season I mean they've played the best of the best right the Oklahoma States the Tennessees the North Carolinas NC States they had a particularly rough run at the indoors against Florida and Auburn in doubles it's been a tough strength of schedule and yet, you know, again, they've been average in doubles. Thankfully, they've got the singles depth, and it starts up top. Is Arena Contos, highest-ranked player in the conference, number eight overall? She's ten and three in dual match play, twenty-five and eight overall on the season. She's a, she is a top ten player. The lefty just she's going to move you around the court. She is that solid. Of course, the big jump has been Isabel Boulay, who's played some matches at the number one spot, but primarily at two, and she's 10-3 and three overall in the season. For her to make the jump and be an elite option at number two and be able to compete not only with the Big Ten players, but, you know, again, playing the Auburns of the world, the Floridas of the world, even, or beating them, and, you know, not only going one and one, but potentially two and oh against fellow top 16 teams at the top two spots, that's just really hard to do. When Boulay and Contos play their best, they they can do that. Freshman Sydney Ratliff's eight and six overall, but she's been far better than that record indicates. She is a legitimate and viable option. On the right day, she can be anyone, her athleticism, how good she is across the court again. She is a real option at three. I mean, Coley Allen's been a rock, nine and four overall, eight and one at the four single spot. And then, you know, Dorme and Marzal, who lost, I think, a combined four matches last season, who will be five and six when healthy. They're a combined seven and seven in dual match play right now. Give them some time. 
you know, again, they're just not healthy, not playing their best tennis. Certainly, Shelly Brzezniak uh, offers them an option. We've seen Madeline Atway uh, slide into that spot as well. They haven't clicked yet in the back of their lineup, and I think that's the scary part if your other teams out there is that they do have that depth. That depth was so they were uh, were so reliable last season and coming through, and they haven't yet this season, but we're also not yet outdoors this season. And again, those two came through against Pepperdine uh, in Ohio State's toughest challenge to date on the year and ultimately earned the victory. Well, I guess NC State was that good as well. The point being, don't sell the bottom of the Buckeyes lineup short. Yeah, they've taken some lumps here at the start of the season, but when they play their best tennis, they can compete everywhere. You know, for this Michigan team, it's funny for all these teams at the top, and I haven't mentioned the third team, Northwestern, who's nine and four, uh, nine and five, excuse me, overall on the season, and currently number thirty-five in the rankings, going to drop down to number thirty-seven in this week's iteration. Now that is above the NCAA cutoff line, but it's worth noting that you know Northwestern was out last year's superstar freshman, their number one singles player, now down to number two in Maria Shusharina for a stretch of time as well. At the same time, when you look again, why are the Buckeyes number one right now? It's that combination of experience, depth, freshmen, you know, just talent everywhere, and they're not playing their best. When you look for Michigan, you know, I mentioned Ohio State struggling at doubles. Doubles has been a mess for the Wolverines, and having spoken a little bit with Coach Bernstein, I know it's something they're continuing to work on. They're 11-15 and 15 overall. They've been down 1-0 in just about every match. We're down 1-0 against Wisconsin this past weekend before pulling out a 4-3 victory. I believe we're down 1-0 against Minnesota as well before pulling out 5-2. The good news is they are good just about everywhere in singles as well, and they have options everywhere. And Kari Miller, who's, I believe, you know, now, I want to say 7-2 overall in the dual match season at the number one spot and you know 18 and 6 overall in the year number 11 in the country in the latest ITA singles poll she has been that good yeah she may lose a first set but she's you're not beating her in straights and she's gonna grind and she's gonna scrap and claw her way back into matches now there were seven straight breaks of serve in her third set this past weekend a match she dropped in the third to Wisconsin's Ava Markham who played excellent throughout the course of the match and I'm going to get to the Badgers I promise I've spent far too long on this already I apologize but you know for the Wolverines it feels like they're a year away because they are good everywhere and I think Kari has been excellent at one certainly Jaden Brown who I think is 11 and 2 overall at the number two uh, overall in the season in dual match play and got another win over Wisconsin in straight sets a much needed win to put a point on the team for her board uh, on the board for her team excuse me I mean, she is a viable option against anyone. Ditto with Serdan at three or four and Nicole Hammond, you know, or I should say Hammond at three and Serdan at four and Julia Fliegner, the freshman at five, who leads the team in overall victories and seems to always be the last match on court and comes through and clinches 6-4 in the third against Wisconsin or, you know, Mesa Chirito, who was excellent last season at six, struggled at the start of this year with some health stuff, looks healthy, got a big three-set victory this weekend as well, and she seems Seems to be trending in the right direction also I mean this team has options everywhere now are they locks to win at any position I don't know if Michigan has that I mean again I think one through six they can compete everywhere in singles and they can find four points in a bunch of different ways I think if this Michigan team makes the quarterfinals that's a win this year and you look next year's the year where they got to make the national indoor final 16 they have to you know potentially or be in contention for a top eight seed because they're going to bring back pretty much everyone uh, from this year's squad. I think this year's a year early, and I think getting to the Sweet 16 and playing a second NCAA weekend would be a big victory for the Wolverines. Getting to the final site in Champaign would be a winning season. I think Ohio State has higher aspirations than that. They got to the round of 16 last year, and this is an older team with Allen in her last go-round and Boulay and Dorme and Marzal, all veterans. I think for Ohio State, there's some more urgency now. I think Michigan's a year away. I think when you look at Northwestern, I think this is a really good Northwestern team. And I know, you know, they're 9-5 and five overall. But again, with some of the wins they've banked, you know, already earned a win over Penn State at the national uh, indoor kickoff weekend, but a good win over a top 40 team in Notre Dame and, you know, a good win over Kansas State. Would have loved to have held on to your victory at Kansas. But, you know, for them, the big thing is they already got wins over Wisconsin, who is in that NCAA hunt and is a top 55 team. And Minnesota is a top 60 team right now. They beat both of them 4-3 at home 
home. You got to defend your home turf in conference play. Northwestern's able to do it. You know, undefeated so far. Now they've got a tough one at Nebraska this Friday. They're at Iowa on Sunday. Certainly, they won't love the fact that they're on the road in six of their last seven matches. And, you know, that includes at Michigan, at Ohio State. I think at Nebraska and at Illinois won't be easy either. Uh, This Northwestern team, though, has had the opportunity to take some lumps. They're finally getting healthy. And, you know, when I look at their roster, five and seven is Clarissa Hand, the senior, at the number one spot. I do think against the Millers and Contoses of the world, she's in trouble. I think she can compete with just about anyone, though, on any given day. They're five and eight at the two spot. But Maria Shusharina is getting healthy, and we saw what the freshman was capable of last season. I think when she plays her best, she can beat anyone in the conference at two. Sydney Pratt, who's played the three single spot, the freshman is six and five overall. I'm telling you, I'm all in on freshman Sydney Pratt. She is so solid off both wings, can generate pace. I just don't see her losing straight set matches. I think she is really solid at that spot as well. You know, you look for number four, it's been a rotating cast. Emma Lazic, the transfer from Duke, nine and one overall. She's been excellent. Freshman Justine Leong, four and seven by record, but. You know, I like her at the bottom of the lineup now more five and six where she can just grind away and, you know, find opportunities for herself to attack. And then, you know, they've gone Christina Hand at six. Brianna Crowley's played at uh, Crowley's played at as well. Hannah McCloggan still an option. I don't know if it quite pops as well, right? Again, there's no su- superstar lock, and they're also outside of Hand, of a team that you bring back everyone except for, I guess, Hand and Lazic next year. But, you know, for Pratt, for Leong... For Shusharina, I still think their best college tennis is ahead of them, and that's a really fun nucleus that feels like it might be even be two years away, let alone a year away. At the same time, they're going to sneak up and bite you because they're 22 and 10 in individual double sets, and you know really solid at the two and three doubles spots. McClock and Pratt, Crowley and Hand, uh, or Hand and Leong, they just they have options in doubles, and once they're up 1-0. They can find three. Finding four is a little tougher, but you know if they're up 1-0 in Ann Arbor against the Wolverines, which they very likely could be, that is a you know if for Northwestern's probably out of top 16 contention. They would have probably needed to beat one of at Duke or at definitely needed to win at Kansas, at Georgia Tech or against a Wake Forest just and Vanderbilt to lose all of those matches, not even split them and go 500. They're probably out of top 16 contention. But look, they've beaten Minnesota and Wisconsin. They should, If they clean up against the teams, they are ranked above the rest of the way in Big Ten play. And that match against Nebraska this Friday, again, is fascinating to me because Nebraska could sneak up on them. Uh, I think this Northwestern team's good to go. I think they're a year away from Sweet 16 contention. I think they could be two years away from being a top 10 team. That's how much I like this nucleus. But that's the top of the women's conversation. Again, those three teams right now, according to the projected rankings this week, going to be ranked 8th is Ohio State, 19th Michigan, 37th Northwestern. I think they're all locks to make the NCAA tournament. Let's switch gears now and talk about the men's side. And again, I'm not going to spend as long on the corresponding locks on the men's side because I know we've talked about them quite frequently uh, on our Cracked Rackets Deciding Point episodes where we recap all of the action happening across the country. And certainly Michigan wins 4-0 over Ohio State and Baylor two weekends ago in Ann Arbor and their 4-1 win over TCU in Fort Worth. Those were storylines that led our show and, you know, we did individual podcasts on. And I think the big, uh, the top of the Big Ten men, I think the Big Ten men lack the depth of the Big Ten women. I think the top of the Big Ten men this year just has more national championship contenders, simply put. The Big Ten men have two. I think the Ohio State women are a national championship contender this season if things break right, but they really have to break right. I think for Ohio State and Michigan, there's even a little margin for error. Like, that's how good these two teams have been. To start the season, each has only lost twice, and you look for the Ohio State men who have been dominant throughout the course of the season. They've had two blips on their radar, and you look for Ohio State, the record overall right now, the Buckeyes 17-2 and right now. Overall on the season, 2-0 in conference play. Of course, there are two losses, 4-3 national indoor semifinals against TCU in Seattle. They also lose that 4-0 match in Ann Arbor uh, against the Wolverines. The numbers for the Buckeyes are just 
gaudy. I mean, they're 32 and 10 in doubles. Now, I would point out they've dropped the doubles point three times, dropped it against Washington in round of 16, National Indoors. That crowd was electric. The crowd won the doubles as much as Washington did. I, I see no shame in that doubles point loss. They lose the doubles to TCU. They lose that match 4-3. They lose the doubles to Michigan. They lose that match 4-0. When they've lost the doubles point, they've lost two out of three matches that where they've lost the doubles point. I think that is a, a note uh, for us to make moving forward because it speaks to how solid they are in three, you know, you know J.J. Tracy's going to get them a victory on the board. And Tracy so far this season, 12-0 overall and 27-4 and overall on the year, 9-0 at the four single spot, but has now jumped up to that number three spot over Van Emberg. And is there any doubt a guy who's ranked top 20 in the country in singles is going to have success at the three singles position as well? No, I think the sophomore, if you watch him play, his forehand's as big a weapon as anyone. He's got the speed to match anyone as well. He learned He's learned how to win more free points on serve. He's more comfortable moving forward. He just is so good at absorbing pace. And again, to have him at the three spot, you like J.J. Tracy against just about anyone. That's one point on the board. You know one of Cannon Kingsley and Monte Votes are going to earn a victory. And Kingsley, top 10 in the country, you know, 13-3 and three overall on the year. Yeah, he was knocked off by Andre Styler, but Styler was so good against Ohio State. But uh, against, yeah, Ohio State. But, you know, Kingsley, we know what he has been throughout the course of his career. 13-3 and three overall in the season. Mate Votsel, who is 21-4 overall in the year, but 12, uh, excuse me, 22-4, but 12-1 in dual match play. To have one of those guys who have both been top 10 players this year uh, at the one or at the one of those guys at the two single spot, you feel like they're going to win every time. And to, for the most part, they really have. And then again, you're splitting the top two. You feel like you're going to take one of three and four every time, whichever spot Tracy's at. Although, for the record, Van Emberg is seven and three by record. I think eight and three after this weekend. Although his level, if you've watched, obviously he struggled more than that. James Trotter, it's worth noting, is nine, uh, 10 and two overall in the year in dual match play and 17 and five overall in the season. Now, he lost to Michigan as well. And, you know, that said, he got a win over TCU, you know, knocked off a very much informed Jake Fernley. That was a really impressive win for Trotter and his serve, his weapons. You feel like on the right day, he can beat anyone. So, again, why is it so big for the Buckeyes? You feel like they're going to win one of one and two one of three and four, one of five and six Every time in every match they play. You feel like they're going to split those and get three points on the board. Where's four going to come from? In theory, it's the doubles where Monte Votzel number one and Robert Cash are number one in the country, 26 and three overall and eight and three at the number one dual, uh, at the number one spot in dual matches. And I mean, again, you feel good about them. On paper, yeah, tra- you know, Cannon Kingsley and JJ Tracy are 13 and one and have dropped one match together overall. It was the match against Michigan, and then whether it's Boulay and Trotter who have been ranked as high as number two in the country, or Trotter and Luchanik who have made a challenger final together, you feel like the best version of Ohio State should be winning every doubles point they play. At the same time, they lost the doubles point to Michigan. They lose the match. They lose the doubles point to TCU. They lose the match. When they lose the doubles point, they feel a bit more vulnerable because with all due respect to Robert Cash, who's 13 and three overall in the year, and you know, Justin Boulay is eight and five overall in the year, Luchonic seven and three overall in the year. None of them have clicked at that number six single spot. Again, 5-4-15-40. Robert Cash has three set points, has a high forehand approach against TCU, an approach he makes 95 out of 100 times. He misses the approach in the net. Maxted goes on to hold, take the first set, take the match. That was an inflection point in the Ohio State season. And Cash just, he wasn't earning quick victories on the board at the national indoors, which you feel like indoors he should be. I mean, the Boulay roller coaster constantly continues, and it just feels like he's never quite gotten out of Coach Tucker's doghouse. Anthrop, the freshman, has he built the trust yet? I don't know. How healthy is Luchonic to play at the number six spot? I don't know. That's the thing for the Buckeyes, is as much talent as they've accumulated, and you know who five of their six single starters are going to be, but who's the sixth? It's a legitimate question to ask about this team at this point. On the flip side... I think for Michigan, it's a different sort of question because I think, again, for Ohio State, you know five of the guys and you're pretty sure about the order they're going to go in and you know the doubles pairings you're going to get. I think for the Wolverines, 
they're still doing some experimenting. They're still finding the best version of themselves, what pieces fit where. And certainly, if Andre Styler is going to play this well and he's 6-2 and two on the dual match season, but or excuse me, 8-2 and two on the dual match season, if he's going to continue to play this well, put him at the number one spot because his weapons, the decisiveness with which he played, we saw it against Kingsley. He was up, I think, match point on on, uh, on Adrian Boyton of Baylor and you know got the win over Aguilar as well. He's back to himself. He's healthy. He's playing his best tennis. He's as good as any player in the country on those days. You put him at one. Andrew Fenty, who you know is in one of those I'm not losing sort of phases, and is in a third set with Votsel, third set with Soto, and just you know again, you feel like you get a guy who at his best is certainly a top 25 player in the country at two. You feel pretty good about him. My little brother and I have a joke. We call him Big Match Pat. Pat Maloney, who's eight and one overall. Excuse me, ten and one in dual match play, and just finds the forehands, finds the weapons, just again, is able to play on his terms, can hit anyone off the court on the right day and has gotten so much better physically and just hangs in there in the backhand now. Not only does he slice it, but is much more comfortable swinging through it. And then in the big match environment, just seems to thrive, whether it's in doubles with Nick Beattie and they played great doubles against both Baylor and Ohio State or in the singles where, you know, again, he didn't beat J.J. Tracy, but he wins a crucial second set and just stays alive there. Doesn't allow the Buckeyes to earn any momentum and just, you know, gets a big win down 5-0 in the second set against Sven Lan. Earns that win in straights to keep things on track for the Wolverines. He's playing his best tennis. Michigan swept six consecutive opponents. And, you know, that's the thing is I feel like Ohio State, after beating Tennessee 4-0, beating Wake Forest 4-0, beating Virginia 4-0, beating everyone 4-0 before the national indoor tournaments, they were playing their best tennis. They are no longer playing their best right now. Michigan is playing their best right now. And obviously, Jacob Bickerstaff, who's 10-1 in dual match play, his, the sophomore's rise, for him to be this good and able to beat the Eduardo Navas of the world and the James Trotters of the world— that's an addition. I mean, that is something unexpected. For Gavin Young to be 8-2, and 9-2, and two, excuse me, in dual match play this year and, you know, leading the team in singles victories and just this comfortable in this environment this early, despite being a coach's son, and obviously his dad, Jeff Young, was the head coach at Minnesota, Minnesota closing their program, the reason Gavin ends up coming to Michigan, blessing for the Wolverines, certainly, to have him on the roster, not only in singles, but just to get a 6-4, 6-5 body with that serve, comfortable volleying into the doubles lineup, whether it be with Styler or whomever, that helps as well. And then at six, you have options. I mean, Nick Beattie proved it. Seven and one overall in the year. He beats Mizuchi of Baylor, who had lost once on the season. He beats, you know, whomever he played. It was Justin Boulay, I believe, of Ohio State in straight sets as well. To get a you know a sixth year guy in Nick Beattie who's seen everything college tennis has to see and you know has played in a national indoor semifinal match before with pressure been in both the winning and losing situation to get that guy with those weapons that lefty at six Michigan has their six guys and then you have the Aaron Schneider option the lefty at six as well that said you know your six if you're Michigan if you're healthy Styler Fenty Maloney Young Bickerstaff Beattie that's the sixth they proved it. TCU, Baylor, Ohio State, you know, again, that that's your six. Doubles combinations, you're probably going Fenty, Aaron Schneider at one, Styler Young two, Beatty Maloney three. This Michigan team has found itself. And again, it's two losses, 4-3 at Wake Forest without Andre Styler, 4-3 at Harvard with an Andre Styler who still couldn't hit backhands. There's a reason when you look at the at the projected rankings right now, Michigan's going to be number five, uh, excuse me, number six in this week's rankings. They were number five in last week's computer rankings. They've been as high as number three, you know, in the tennis channel and USTA uh, voter polls. Michigan's legit. And, you know, both of these teams now with the wins they've accumulated for Michigan over Ohio State, over TCU, over Baylor, who are all top eight teams, certainly they've still got the chance to play Ohio State again on the road and perhaps in the Big Ten Conference as well. They can get another ranked win over a Northwestern team during conference play. Now, outside of that, Columbia, a high-ranked win right now. Not sure how long it'll stay that way. SMU's a solid win for the Wolverines. They will certainly be a top 16 seed. 
if they want to be a top eight seed, it would really help to go one and one against Ohio State in the likely two matches they'll play the rest of the way. You can lose to them in Columbus, probably have to beat them in Madison at the conference tournament, though, to solidify your top eight spot, just to guarantee you have the nine good enough wins for all those SEC teams who have, you know, Florida sweeping the SEC, they're going to be a top eight seed. Baylor and TCU will likely both beat top eight seeds, and you've beaten both of them, but they have more ranked wins than you. If Tennessee has a good SEC tournament, they're absolutely going to be a top eight seed given the national indoor run and pre-national indoor indoor stretch they had as a team. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, Wake Forest with their win over Michigan is going to be very much in the hunt. Virginia is working its way back into the hunt. The race for top eight is serious. Ohio State's in for sure with all the wins they accumulated prior to the national indoors. And you look for the Buckeyes again, 17 and two overall wins over Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Wake Forest twice, and a win over Texas, a win over A&M. Yeah, they're fine. They're going to be a top eight seed. Wolverines very much in the hunt as well. Your other NCAA lock on the men's side is Northwestern. It's a little dicier for the Wildcats. They're 12 and six overall. And you look at the projected rankings, they're number 25 in this week's rankings, going to be dropped five spots from number 20. That comes after a weekend that saw them drop a 4-0 loss at Ohio State. Now they earned a 4-3 win against Penn State. Couple of close losses biting them of late probably knocked them out of the top 16 hunt. Had they swept the at Vanderbilt, Columbia, at NC State stretch, now we're talking top 16. Now you stack those three wins with a win at Notre Dame, a win over a Duke team early in the season. Would have been great had they beaten North Carolina in the kickoff weekend, but ha- you know, a win over Louisville early in the season as well. Those are five top 40, you know, top 40, top 35 wins that if they managed to knock off a of Michigan during the course of the Big Ten season or sniff a win over Ohio State as well. Certainly puts them in top 16 contention, uh, even without a win over either of those teams, though. With those wins, plus just sweeping everything else in the Big Ten, they would have been in the hunt. Now it's going to be a little bit harder for them. Certainly, you look at this team, 41-28 and 28 overall in singles, 21-16 and 16 in doubles. they got to find different ways in different matches. And certainly, it starts and it helps to have Steve Foreman, who at 10-2 and two overall in the dual match season, the lefty, the senior, has been as good as any player in, in the conference and just has the weapons to hang with anyone. And by the way, Steve Foreman started his career at Michigan. Can you imagine Steve Foreman still on the Wolverines roster, how potent this Michigan team would be? I think if you had Steve Foreman to the mix, yeah, they're national championship contenders. They already are, but you throw him in there? I mean, come on. It's like the best version of Beatty at six singles. Um, no, but... I mean, this team, it's interesting, right? Trice Pickens, it's an older team, and yet there are some young pieces they are counting on or new pieces. Pickens is 11-3. and three. He's been solid as well. But, you know, Bratholm and Thieneman and Nordby and, and all these guys, Berdusco, just not playing their best tennis here to start the season. That's the team 41-20. and 20. They've just had to find different ways, and they've played a bunch of different close matches. It feels like this group has yet to peak this season and injury issues have been a big reason why at the same time again Northwestern right now 25 in the projected rankings they're getting in to the NCAA tournament they still got a shot you know they get Michigan at home and they're still at Harvard another chance to pick up a big ranked win at Illinois at Wisconsin you you win all those matches you're still in top 16 contention but you probably have to you have to beat Michigan at home you have to beat Harvard on the road if you want to be a top 16 team if you are Northwestern with that said enough focus on the top let's move on now talk about the teams in the middle of the conference the race uh, again for uh, the NCAA tournament and I apologize I, I probably did spend too long on the contenders there I'll get better at this as we move through Let's talk about the women's race first, because the women's race is fascinating. I talk about that depth we see right now in the Big Ten Women's uh, Conference. Now, only, again, the three teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Northwestern, on the women's side right now, into the NCAA cutoff line. But there are five Big Ten teams ranked inside the top 65, four of them inside the top 60, four in particular 
all very much alive in the hunt for the NCAA tournament. And that's Wisconsin, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Illinois. And let's start with the Badgers, who if they had earned just one more 4-3, you know, could flip just one of their 4-3 matches, they would be in a completely different world. And you look for the Badgers who take the doubles point and, you know, get two straight, uh, two singles victories and have three points on the board uh, against all these different, uh, pl- or have points on the board, uh, the opportunity, whether it's the third set, you know, at number four against Crest, uh, against Serdan or the third set at five against Fliegner had their chances against Michigan on Sunday. They dropped that match 4-3. You know, you look for them against Northwestern. Again, another match, they have their chances there. They drop that one 4-3. They drop a 4-3 decision in, uh, in Ames, Iowa against a top 30 team in Iowa State. 4-3 against USC at the National Indoors. 4-3 against Old Dominion. 4-3 against Oregon. If they can just flip one of those matches, they would find themselves inside the top 40 right now. And if you've actually watched this Wisconsin team play this year, you would know that the Badgers, who currently right now with their record 11-7 and overall on the, on the year, and again, are going to be projected to rank all the way up, by the way, to number 45 in the projected rankings, despite losing that match to Michigan after this week, a five-spot jump for them. This Badger team at 11-7 and is freaking good. And they're exceptional at doubles, 30 and 7 overall on the year, whether it's, you know, Sai and Mukartova, 10 and 5 at the one spot, or Johnson and Markham, 9 and 3 at the three spot, but 4 and 1 at two, 13 and 4 overall on the year. They just have two pairings there. And then they've played around elsewhere, whether it's Stoika and Cataldi, whether it's Cataldi and Simonovsky, you know, Cataldi and Sia. They've played around. Cataldi and someone has been the option at three, and yet they're 11 and four at that number three spot. And again, seven and six at the number two spot. But they're up 1-0 in the majority of their matches. And then they're 65 and 36 overall in singles. They can find four points in a bunch of different ways. They've, you know, there's no single deficient spot for them. Their 10 and seven is their worst record at the number one and four spots. It's pretty spot solid overall from a match calculus perspective. And if you watched Ava Markham play, who's the senior now playing the number one spot where she's 5-1 and one overall, 14-3 and three overall in the dual match season, if she's going to hit her forehand as aggressively and decisively as she did against Kari Miller, winning that match against Miller in the third set 6-4, they've got an option against anyone at the number one spot. And that allows Shinyu Tsai, who has the weapons, you know, when she's clicking on the right day, she can power her way through anyone. Now, I think Tsai is definitely in an attackable spot, and she's 7-10 and 10 overall on the year. But that they feel like they can split. And one of those players is going to click from a power perspective at one and two. Beyond that, you know, Mukertova's 11-5 at three, 12-5 overall in the year. She's been a rock. She gets a win over Michigan. You know, they've played around at the four, five, six single spots, but they're over 500 in all of them. I think Taylor Cataldi, the freshman, 11 and six overall in the year, she's going to be one of those spots. You know, Stoiska is uh, 10 and four overall in the year. She's going to be in one of those spots. Finding that sixth player, right now it's been Charmaine Sia, but, you know, I think they're still playing around there. That said, one through five, they can compete. Again, I've mentioned the depth in the women's side. I don't feel like even the Coley Allens of world is a definitive favorite uh, against a Cataldi or a Stoiska. I think Mukertova can absolutely beat a Sydney Ratliff. I mean, she just beat a Nicole Hammond, can absolutely beat a Sydney Pratt as well for Northwestern. And obviously, Northwestern getting a 4-3 win over Wisconsin, massive uh, for the Wildcats. But you look on this Wisconsin schedule, most notably, they've still got Minnesota coming to Madison April 9th. That's a fascinating matchup, two teams on the NCAA border. They still have a chance to earn a massive ranked win against Ohio State at home. Now, they have to clean up against Penn State, Indiana, and a sneaky good Purdue team, and that match is on the road. But a little disappointing they don't play Nebraska in the conference schedule this season. That said, again, if they just beat who they're supposed to beat, if they get a win over a Minnesota, with the win over Minnesota, win over Illinois, you know, win over SMU, win over Denver, I mean, it's tough. It's going to be close for them. It'll be nice because they'll have the conference play and they'll get a chance perhaps to get two more wins, like a win over Illinois and then a win over a Nebraska. Those two sorts of wins, even if it's an exit to a Northwestern, a Michigan, and Ohio State in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. First of all, Nebraska is a top 40 team. But I think they've got enough left on their schedule as well from a points perspective. If they just take care of business to get in, they're in the most comfortable position 
After that, again, it's a rat race. I think Nebraska is really good, and they're going to be number 53 in the latest iteration of the rankings that come out Wednesday, 10-6 and six overall on the season. Now, again, it's a little tougher for them. They got a good early season win uh, over Wichita State, a good win over Memphis as well. Would have really liked a 4-3 win over Kansas. Would have really liked, you know, again, to flip their match against Texas Tech, but they already beat Minnesota, which is key. They got a 6-1 win over the Gophers. They got a big win at Purdue this weekend as well. They get Northwestern at home this Friday. It's a massive opportunity for Nebraska. They also get Illinois, who's number 57 in the rankings at home this week as well. They need to go one and one. Doesn't matter if it's Northwestern or Illinois. They need to win one of those matches this weekend to stay in the hump. You get that top 60 win against Illinois again, a pecking order sort of match. They're at Michigan But, you know, again, if they go one and one this weekend, they beat Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan State, Iowa. They lose at Michigan. They're in the hunt. They're right there with Wisconsin. And that Big Ten Conference tournament becomes really important. Being the fourth team in the semifinals, because you assume Michigan, Ohio State, and Northwestern all get there, to be that fourth team, to earn that ranked win, whether it's over a Wisconsin, a Minnesota, Nebraska, or to be that team to get the wins, you feel like that fourth team is a sure spot in the NCAA tournament. That fifth spot's going to be really tough. But Nebraska's right there in the hunt for four, five, and again, their match against Illinois on Sunday going to be on our Cracked Rackets broadcast. That's going to be really exciting. And again, this Nebraska team can play. They've got options, 30 and 18 in doubles, 66 and 38 in singles. I think Christina Novak's been excellent at the number one spot where she's nine and two overall on the year. And, you know, again, eight and four at the four and five spots in particular, Samantha Alicia, 10 and six overall, Chloe Kuckelman, 10 and five overall. Finding that fourth point has been the struggle for them. And whether it's in doubles where they're 30 and 18 or someone else stepping up in the singles lineup, they do feel a little bit thinner. At the same time, they're pretty competitive everywhere. And that's all you can ask for of an NCAA tournament team. Ditto for Northwest, uh, excuse me, for Minnesota, who's 13 and 6 overall. They also have a good win over Memphis from earlier in the season. And, you know, again, they would have loved to have won that match at Alabama 4 2, loved to have beaten Northwestern in Evanston, a match they ultimately dropped 4 3 or held on against the Wolverines. A much closer than a 5 2 scoreline match would have indicated. But you look for them. I mean, it's tough. They probably have to beat Wisconsin at at Madison. Again, that's a must-win match for both teams, a pecking order sort of match. After that, they should win everything but a match at Ohio State. They get you know Michigan State, Rutgers, Penn State at home. They're at Indiana. They have to beat Purdue, although Purdue's sneaky in the hunt if things go their way. Have to beat Maryland and Rutgers as well. Minnesota needs things to break perfectly. I think there's no margin of error for them. I think they pretty much have to win out and probably win out except for against Ohio State. So they have to go, what, one, two, three, four. They got to go six and one in their last seven matches. But, you know, you get three of them at home. Anything is possible. And if you beat the Buckeyes, now anything is truly possible. And again, I think this Minnesota team that's 15 and three at four singles, 13 and five at five, 12 and four at six, 34 and 15 in doubles, they've just got the depth. They're going to hang everywhere a little thin at top, right? They don't have that top 50 standout in the one and two spots that some of the higher pedigree teams do, but they're going to compete with you everywhere. And so that's a fascinating team. And then, of course, Illinois, who you look right now, and by the way, I didn't mention it, uh, Wisconsin ranked 45 in the projected rankings, Nebraska 53, Minnesota 54, Illinois at 59. And you look for Illinois, who gets Northwestern at home, who gets, or, you know, who's at Nebraska. That's a really, you know, again, a match this weekend on Sunday on our broadcast. They have to win. They get Purdue at home, though. They probably have to beat one of Northwestern or Michigan, either Northwestern at home, Michigan on the road. I mean, it's tough for this Illinois team, but I kind of like their roster. I like the options they have, whether it's Duong or just, again, you know, the, the depth that they've got available to them and watching them. I suppose it was a good weekend for them this weekend against Rutgers, but this team can hang. You know, again, don't, I think things are particularly tough for Illinois, but 
Don't sleep on them quite yet. That's an interesting team. By the way, worth mentioning just the UTRs right now, according to our friends at Universal Tennis, Ohio State 62.94 overall power six UTR. That ranks 15th in the country. Michigan 62.25, second highest in the conference, but 20th overall in the country. Then there's a big dip. Northwestern 60.68, which is top 40. You know, Wisconsin 59.74 is the 42nd highest UTR, which is better than where their rankings at. Then it has Iowa 58.69, but that includes Alexa Noel, Illinois 58.64, Nebraska 58.27, Minnesota 58.25. And, you know, again, it really, there's a tier. It goes Michigan, Ohio State, then Northwestern, then Wisconsin, then the rest, according to the UTRs. And I think the results have indicated that as much. Wisconsin's got that strongest position to earn an NCAA tournament claim. After that, I think you're lucky if one of Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska get in. And again, all of them sort of have to run the table to do so. So that's your NCAA contendership on the women's side. When you flip gears and talk on the men's side, with all due respect to the men's teams in the conference, I don't know if any get in outside the top three. I mean, Illinois, I shouldn't say that. Illinois is going to get in, I think, in the end. Illinois has to take care of business. And, you know, certainly it was a very tough start to their season. As you look for them, they, you know, lose both kickoff weekend matches, 4-2 to NC State, 4-1 to Oklahoma. Of course, they were down, you know, no Carlos Ozalans, the freshman, hasn't been able to play for them this season. That was a massive loss right off the bat. You know, Kawaisi Kenyatta no longer with the team. That's a massive loss. And, you know, Sifo Monsi's had a ton of injury issues as well on top of losing Cliff, Kovacevic, and Clark from last year's roster. And so it was a rough stretch. 4-2 to NC State loss, 4-1 Oklahoma loss, 4-1 at Michigan loss, 4-0 at Notre Dame loss, 4-2 against Duke at home. They lose that match. Started to get things headed the right direction. 4-2 win against UNC, then play US, uh, both Baylor and TCU really close at home. Yeah, they drop a match to Florida, but they get a 4-3 win at UCF. Now a 4-0 win over Penn State as well. Look, We've got Michigan at home on Friday this weekend, Michigan State on home on our broadcast Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. That day, going to be a doubleheader as they're going to face Butler as well as they try to navigate that 500 rule. Illinois 7-10 and 10 right now. Keep that in mind, 7-10. and 10. Let's just play some match forecast. 7-11 and 11 if they lose to Michigan. 8-11 with a win over Michigan State, 9-11 with a win over Butler, 10-11 with a win over Nebraska, 11-11 with a win over Wisconsin. 11 and 12, we'll say, if they go by favor and will be pessimistic here, even though it's at home with a win against, uh, with they lose to Northwestern, but 13 and 12 if they beat Indiana and Purdue at the end of the season. So even if they lose their ranked, you know, higher ranked matches to Northwestern and Michigan, 500 rule is not going to be an issue. They should be over that. Shout out to Brad Dancer for adding that doubleheader against Butler. That's a veteran play right there. You look beyond that from a ranking perspective. The win over UNC certainly helps. Ooh, outside of that, it's tough. I mean, I'm looking, what's their best win outside of their win against Illinois? Uh, a UCF team that's struggled this year. I mean, yeah, they've got the win over Penn State right now, but Penn State currently not even, uh, Penn State currently ranked number 86 in the projected rankings. I mean, again, if Illinois runs the table, they beat a Wisconsin team who's currently 63. They'd beat a Nebraska team that's 73. They need to beat Northwestern almost, who's at number 25. That's a must-win match for them at home at Atkins. That would guarantee them a spot, I would say, in that top 41. If they don't beat Northwestern, it's really close because that UCF match is not going to age particularly well given that team struggles. Yeah, the, the UNC win is great, but that's one win. If you beat UNC and Northwestern, and then you beat them, one of them, you know, Northwestern again, or you just beat everyone you're supposed to beat at Wisconsin again, let's say in the NC, uh, in the Big Ten Conference Tournament, then you're probably top 40. But the Illini are going to need some help. And thankfully, they're, you know, they're healthier now. Monsi's playing better. And I think Stewart's been great. Heck has been as good as you could ask the sophomore to be, stepping up into the top half of the lineup you know, again, A, B is going to A, B. Gazowskis, Meister, Petrov, Horve. On the right day, all these guys are going to comp- obviously compete their tails off. But man, they they need wins. And they need wins now. And they probably need to beat everyone but Michigan on the remainder of their schedule. You look for Wisconsin. 
gets a little tougher. Wisconsin men 63 in the projected rankings. You look at the wins they've accumulated on this season. I mean, solid win for them. You look overall 5-2 in Eugene at Oregon. Good win over Western Michigan. Good win at Michigan State. They've got Northwestern, Illinois, Ohio State left on the schedule. They probably need to go two and three in those matches and sweep the rest if they want to get into Big Ten contention. And the good news is Northwestern Illinois both going to Madison. So is Ohio State for what it's worth. They got to go two and three and they need to play their best tennis. And certainly you look for this team. They've had a bunch of injury issues in there. 17 and nine overall in doubles and 39 and 51 overall in singles. And yet played a lot of close matches. I think this is a step forward, uh, a step forward sort of season for uh, Coach Westerman and the team. And you look on this group, yeah, Soha's a senior, Pratt's a senior, Viles a senior, you know, Newsney's a senior. It's an older group at the same time. That's why I think down the home stretch, you may see some urgency out of them. I think they're going to win one of them. Mm, maybe not. They need to win two out of the three. And so Badgers in desperation mode. I mean, outside of that, it's crazy to say this about a Nebraska team. That's what I think you look overall in the season. Nebraska 5-12, and 12, but after a win over UCF and a win over Michigan State, both those matches 4-3, and, you know, their win over Wichita State as well, a win over Drake, that's not horrible. They're the next highest-ranked team right now in the ITA rankings, in the projected rankings. You look again, Illinois 52, Wisconsin 6-2, and 5-12 and 12 Nebraska, who I don't know how they get back to the 500 line. They have to pretty much win the conference. They're 73 in the rankings. Penn State 86, Michigan State 89, Purdue 99, Indiana 118. It's just tough. It's really tough for any of these teams to find their way back. And again, you look at this Big Ten Conference, which has just been crushed after not getting to play any non-conference play last season. And, you know, again, certainly had their chances, some injury struggles across the board for a couple of different teams early in the season. You feel like for Michigan State, there are a million pieces, but who fits where? They're still trying to figure out. Again, if you were to ask me, I think the the Big Ten men get in four. I think Illinois does ultimately end up getting in. I They need to win that match against Northwestern. It's at home. That's why I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The over-under is three and a half. And if you're a betting man, I bet Chris Hallioris would say under. I'm going to take the over. I'm a believer in Coach Dancer and the Illini team, and some karma is going to go their way after, given the fact that they are the host this year of uh, the NCAA tournament. But that's where things stand. Again, the team's in NCAA contention. You look beyond that, and we're going to do this very quickly here, and I will focus on these teams more. Again, next week, I'm going to change my focus every week. Some weeks, I want to focus on who's at the top, and of course, the NCAA race will offer you an update next week and moving forward. I want to talk perhaps about some of the teams, what they've got coming in, and why you can expect the forecast of the Big Ten to be changing moving forward. You look, again, for the women uh, on the, I don't want to say the bottom of the conference, because I don't think that's a fair assessment, but you look at the projected rankings right now, uh, certainly, I mentioned Illinois, Purdue at 73. I think they're, they can beat the Wisconsin, Nebraska, Minnesotas of the world. I'd put them closer to that tier than I would towards the bottom tier. Maryland right now, 12-3 and three overall, 76 in the rankings, though. Michigan State, 77 for the women. All those teams have veterans everywhere. I even think, you know, Penn State at 88, Indiana at 136. All those teams on the right days can look like NCAA tournament teams. It's just tough for them. The, the ranked wins aren't there uh, right now for any of those teams to work their way back. And if they all beat up on each other in conference play, it's just going to be tough for anyone to stand out. Uh, certainly, I think Indiana, Iowa, Rutgers, or, you know, again, tough season for Rutgers. Iowa losing Alexa Noel is just a devastating blow. And yet the way that team's competed has been so admirable. I really do like the Indiana women. I even think Michigan State, Penn State, all those teams... Again, if one of them knocks off one of the top three teams at some point in this season, not going to shock me. And so that's where things stand on the bottom for the women. You look for the men, uh, again, a little bit tougher this year. Uh, certainly, I think Nebraska's ascension of late has been a great story. And what, you know, I've known Sean, uh, obviously the head coach there since he was an assistant at Michigan when I was in college. And, you know, great to see he and the team uh, having success. But it gets tough. You know, again, Penn State number 86, Michigan State 89, Purdue 99, Indiana 118. 
I don't think any of those teams are NCAA tournament teams this year. I just think they're a little bit short. I don't think they have the depth required. I think Minnesota, Middle Tennessee, who is not, you know, again, who is a top 25 team. I, that's not a good approximate. That's not a good example. Who's like a 30 team, you know, the 39th? I, I do think if any of them played, you know, a Vanderbilt right now, who's right on that cutoff line of the NCAA line, I think Vanderbilt beats all of them pretty comfortably. And so that is why... You know, again, it's going to be tougher for some of these Big Ten teams on the men's side to get it in. On the sa- At the same time, we get to see a lot of fun stuff unfold on Sunday. And with that in mind, I want to quickly preview what we've got on our broadcast schedule for all of you. Because, of course, we get to cover all of the Big Ten action happening across the conference every Sunday on our Crack Rackets cross-court cast. You look uh, happening this Sunday uh, on the women's side. I mean, again, the Michigan-Ohio State uh, headliner, of course, happening on Friday. But Michigan State going to take on Iowa, Ohio State on Sunday. Michigan heads over to Penn State. You look beyond that, Northwestern's at Iowa. Illinois, Nebraska is certainly going to be our featured match on the women's side uh, on Sunday. You look on the men's side in terms of the Big Ten action. Michigan at Northwestern on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'll get to enjoy that one. Ohio State at Purdue. Uh, certainly, I suppose, that is an interesting match. You look beyond that, Michigan State going to take on Illinois. Uh, Illinois, part of that doubleheader as well. Going to be interesting. Again, I want to see how this Nebraska team does with some uh, with some expectations now and a ranking and a little momentum behind them. So going to monitor all of those things on the weekend. Of course, again, fun Friday matches as well. Buckeyes at Indiana, Michigan at Illinois on the men's side. Again, the Michigan at Ohio State on the women's side uh, should be a good one as well. And then Northwestern at Nebraska, Rutgers at Minnesota, Illinois at Iowa. So plenty of fun Big Ten action scattered throughout the weekend. Of course, we'll be covering all that action on Sunday on our Crack Rackets Big Ten cross-court cast. I will be back every week to offer you an updated assessment on where things stand in Big Ten play. Of course, if you want to hear what's happening more broadly around the country, listen to our Tuesday shows where we talk about all the D1 women's action. Listen to our Thursday shows where we talk about all the D1 men's action. Those happen at night live on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff for the editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Again, uh, you can find all of it available on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at uh, great, sh- I am at, excuse me, A.L. Gruskin. With all of that said, for oh a huge shout out to our friends by the way at Turner you can email them by contacting sales at uniquesports.com a huge thank you to our friends at Player Court learn more about them by clicking on the link in the in, uh, description to this podcast with all of that said for our fantastic super producer Daniel Westoff our friends at the Big Ten our friends at Turner our friends at Player Court and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.